while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Happy Friday. We're here with New Bedford Light columnist Jack Spillane. Hey, Jack. Hey. The guys who have nothing to do on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so Jack, uh, you had a column on the New Bedford Light that I, uh, on the elections uh, office and uh, the, the elections chair, Manny DeBrito. I felt like I might have been on the peripheries of that column because uh, we were talking. You talked about the, the the you know the talk radio reaction to the misreporting of the numbers. Um, you we were a little bit, I think, critical of the elections office and their handling of the election. But I think I had Mayor Mitchell on. He had brought up some pretty good points about you know the issues that they're dealing with, and I think you you gave a pretty. I think solid defense of of New Bedford's uh, elections administration because there was the you know what happened primary night and then you know the issues with the voting machines. But um, you said that you've talked to other clerks and and they think they they said that Manny's doing a pretty good job. Yeah. So I I, I the purpose of that column was really not to criticize anybody that criticized Manny. Um, the purpose of that column was because. Um, I had not realized until election night and the way things played out just how much work the early voting and the um, yeah. the no excuse mail-in voting uh, had placed on them. And I didn't even realize it entirely until I saw election night because I was, I was actually the only media person there because it's not like it used to be. Incredible, yeah. You just have a few people there. Yeah. And then, um, so we took the numbers and... Um, you know, I remember reporting the, the sheriff's race numbers to you and how unusual they Incredible, were. Incredible, yeah. But about 15 minutes after I took the numbers, I got a call from my editors and he said, Jack, the, those numbers don't add up. Mm-hmm. So I said, what do you mean they don't add up? He said, he said the, the, you have the six wards and they don't add up to the, the totals. Yeah. So I got on the phone and called me and he goes, yeah, the early vote and the mail-in vote is not there. So I, I thought that me and he should have told me that, you know, at, at the time he gave it out. Yes. It was very hectic. Um, he did not. But... Uh, uh, the, the explanation he gave me was that there was a different flash drive, the, the programming that these computers were built on. They've been using it for a while before they had these. This is the, Even though we had a lot of early voting and mail-in voting in the presidential election two years ago, the system that Massachusetts adopted was adopted this year. And so the Secretary mm-hmm. of State prescribed some very um, uh, strict methods for counting those ballots. And sure. they have to be done... Um, at public meetings, just like election night, they have to be done. Uh, so you have um, votes that come in. I think the secretary gave them three different ways to do it. Votes that come in by November 4th. The election was November 8th. Uh, early voting in mail-in. You count them at one. You can, you can, if I understand correctly, you can push them into the machines on election night. Okay. Then there's um, early vote in mail-in that comes in between November 4th and three days after the election. Uh, which you can count um, as you go along if you want, or you can you can just wait until the end of that third day, which in this case was a Saturday, because it was a holiday, and, and, and count them there. So there's okay. different ways, and the explanation that Manny gave me was that there is a um, 
uh, it was a separate flash drive uh, to put in for that, and that it did not allow um, for them to put that on the same thing as the, um, the the six wards. So that's why he had the totals correct, but he, they did not. The wards did not add up because he was missing the early vote in the. Um, uh, the mail-in vote. I talked to yeah. the Secretary of State's office. Uh, she she confirmed that she she did say that there is a program that Manny could have used um, that would have combined them all. Sure. Uh, but when I asked Manny, I called the election company, um, which I think is I'm trying to remember their name. Is it ESNS something like that? Electronic Systems in something or other. I called them twice. I didn't hear back from them. Uh, so I, I I could not. So Manny said, "Yeah, he realized that." He was not going to. He's going to need a different flash drive to um, for each ward. Um, he was actually for each precinct in each ward, oh. plus plus the five extra precincts, so forty one precincts in New Bedford that he was going to need. So, in other words, instead of having your regular forty one precincts for people who voted on election day, you're going to need another forty one precincts, and he would have had to list them all yeah. from the separate flash drive. That seemed like fairly complicated stuff for, for people that, that that weren't used to doing that. Sure. So. I did give him the benefit of the doubt that he had not, although I, I did say, I think, in the column that he should have done a dry run to see how it would have yes. worked. Yeah. But it didn't seem like totally outlandish as if it was like a normal election without a whole bunch of new systems. Right. Where, oh, Manny just didn't add up the numbers. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and we so. can and we can Monday morning quarterback, and, and uh, that's what Chris and I did. But um, we can Monday morning quarterback it. But I think we're. Well, I've never done that. <laughs> so when I was in, I'll just tell a short story. When I was in Ireland visiting my cousins, um, and I told them that I was an opinion columnist for a local newspaper, and yeah. you know, one of my cousins said, "They pay you for that? <laughs> Making a living for a long time." Yeah, exactly. No, same. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I guess it could have been solved with a uh, just little. Just writing on the thing. Well, he, he did get the extra flash drives. Yeah. But somehow he didn't figure out how to get them to print out. When sure. You, when you print that out, he said it just printed the wards and the the totals, yeah. which did include the early voting, but didn't list it. Yes. Yeah, we, that's, I mean, so we were, Chris and I kind of like, kind of freaked out. <laughs> we were like, because we saw the Gendro and Schmid race, right? was 259 even, right, uh, in Ward 1. And we knew Ward 1 was the total of uh, the votes for them in, in New Bedford because that's the only ward in their, pre, uh, in their in their district. So it was 259 even. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what happened here, you know? Is Evan the rep, you know? Is, is you know, is is uh, is Evan the rep? Or uh, is, is, is Bob Cazares still the rep? Have we been <laughs> we've been doing this wrong the whole time, you know? So we'd, like, taken a look at it. We'd asked some people who had, had experiences in elections, but then I got a, I got a hold of the mayor's office, and they had, you know, they had explained it to us. Yeah, what, what was the explanation for that? Because Basically, that the, 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 the advanced, the, the, a couple of things. One, they have until November 23rd, to report the full, uh, to have the full accurate reporting of the numbers. Uh, that's the requirement from the Secretary of State's office. Two, that that paper doesn't include the advanced deposits, which is early voting and mail-in voting. And so I asked Holly, so you're telling me on, on election day that people that went into the, in Ward 1 that went in to vote for Evan Gendro and Paul Smith, that was a 259 even, that was an, a tie vote? And she goes, yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. So I was like, Okay, that's I said, you know, that's that that's fair. And we had an explanation of it, but we were just sort of 
I guess, you know, annoyed at the fact that that wasn't clear to begin with, well, and it probably should have been. And yes. Mayor Mitchell admitted as and, much. And, and also, if you are used to looking at election numbers, which I know Chris certainly is, and I'm sure you are, yeah. uh, it looks outlandish. It looks, yeah. it looks unlikely. Not, yeah. not impossible, but yeah. un- unlikely. Unlikely that there's a dead yeah. heat. Uh, in a, a dead heat in, a, in a, an election. So that's because that's what stuck, jumped out to Chris. He's like, wait, that can't be right. Yeah. That's 259 even. But it makes sense now when you when you look at it. And side note, it shows how I think close that election really was uh, between Schmidt and Gendro. That district, that district looks like with with all of its included Westport, parts of Fall River, which Fall River is all that Democratic. Uh, Ward 1 in New Bedford. Ward 1 in New Bedford went for, went for Hodgson. Uh, in a Kushnet, looks like a pretty conservative ward. Yeah, so it, it is my considered opinion that there's no reason for that precinct to be in Schmidt's district. The only reason, hundred percent agree. The, the only reason it's there is to give the Democratic candidate another urban precinct. Yes, because you have Freetown and a Kushnet, which are arguably the most conservative towns in the South Coast, mm-hmm. and then you have I and they five, split. They split that up, and then you have. The whole town of Westport, which is the the incumbent's home base, so he's yeah. going to have an advantage there. Then you have five precincts. Well, well it's Evans' home base too, but it was yeah. a selectman there. He was there for a lot longer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but then you have five precincts in Fall River. So yeah. I, I think, if you notice, the far north end of New Bedford has Strauss, Schmid, and um, Strauss, Schmid, Markey. and Markey all in it. Yeah. They don't all need to be in it. Only one of them needs to be in it. <laughs> yeah. And and in my opinion, they're all in it so they can get urban votes. No, that's yeah. exactly why. And and you know no, that's exactly why. And you know what's funny is I looked at, you know, Strauss's race. I mean, Strauss is a well funded, long time incumbent. I think he's gonna you know, I he'll be there as long as he wants to be there. But it was like a fifty four, forty six percent, I think, total vote, which is uh, you know, between him and Jeff Swift. And so I, what what happened was they had to change it a little bit because they wanted a majority um, person of color district, which is now represented by Chris Hendricks, which is fully New Bedford. Now, New Bedford has two reps, Tony Gabon and Chris Hendricks, that are fully New Bedford reps, um, where it was just Tony before. But now what they've done, apparently, is they've sort of cut... You know, cut a cushion it in half, and they've made the, those two. I think those two districts a bit more, and perhaps even Marquis too, a bit more conservative. But yeah, I agree that the reason they're they're lopping off parts of New Bedford is to to give some more Democratic votes to the reps. Yeah, so twenty years ago, when I first got to this region, um, Strauss's district had two precincts in Middleborough. Yeah, and Middleborough is a fairly conservative town. Very conservative. So he had nothing in the cushion or New Bedford. Mm-hmm. So it was a far more conservative district then. And would it be even more so now, I think, because um, Middleborough strikes me as a Trumpy type type town. Yeah. Uh, so they brought uh, Strauss into New Bedford last time. They gave him, I think they gave him two or three precincts, but they were inner city precincts that did not vote in high percentages. This time they moved him to the far north end uh, with higher percentage voting precincts. But I, I think... You know, I, I, it doesn't need to be d- divided three ways. No, uh, no, I, I don't think and so. They, they all want to have a little bit of it because if you are, um, uh, if you are Chris Markey, do you want to go to Freetown? No. Yeah, right. You, you yeah. want to go to New Bedford? Exactly. If you are, if you are um, Paul Schmidt, do you want to just be in a question? No, you want to have a little bit in New Bedford. Yeah. Same thing with Strauss. It also allows you to represent New Bedford where I think a lot of the action is down here in terms of development and all of that. And, you know, where the, I think the epicenter of the local economy too, especially, you know, the Marine economy. Well, uh, I, I well. have it on, on good, 
um, a good source who told me that, that Schmidt really wanted to go into South Dartmouth, into the, the Tony parts of South Dartmouth, which are very much like Southwestport. And okay. Maki was going to have no part of that because right. Maki is the Dartmouth rep, and why, why would he want his town to be divided? Yeah. Um, and it's a big town. Um, it is. It's a very. It's a very big. T- it's. It's getting bigger. It's. It's. It's, it's five thousand people. It's, it's almost as big as Attleboro, right? It's almost as big as the city of Attleboro. Dartmouth is almost a city at this point, um, actually. So we're speaking with Jack Spillane of the New Bedford Light. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can get um, on the pro uh, on the program. So um, we're we're moving to the city elections, and uh, you know, I, there's a lot of conversation. I you know, I brought up jokingly to Mayor Mitchell. You know, he hasn't announced what what his intentions are, and uh, he just casually ignored my question. And so um, I guess a lot of the speculation conversation is now, like, what is Mayor Mitchell going to do? And I don't have anything, right? Do you have any indication of where Mayor Mitchell's going to, what what his future plans are? You know, I I have spent much of the last 12 years trying to figure out what (laughs) John Mitchell's um, future plans are, and I've been wrong every time, so I'm probably the last person you should ask. I did read Tim Weisberg's uh, piece, uh, I think it was Tim's piece this week, where the mayor, maybe on his weekly program, said that he has not been campaigning for a job in the... Yeah, he's not uh, seeking anything. Yeah, but but he always says that, I'm not seeking it, but if I was offered, you know... Well, uh, that's that's what you got to say, because if you say, oh, no, I'm looking for a job, and you don't get the job, then, Yeah. yeah... or even if you get the job, you just look like someone who's trying to run away. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I still think it's possible. Um, I still think it's possible. Uh, Healy just named her transition team today, which is a lot of, you know, policy people, no elected officials, just a lot of policy people. And I think, you know, that's going to be a, you know, she's going to, she's got a couple months to make a decision about what she wants her cabinet to look like. And I think it could include somebody who is, you know, a mayor of the biggest city in southeastern Massachusetts where a lot of the economic development is happening. It would make sense for her, especially as she looks to running toward re-election, if she has someone from this area in her cabinet. Um, I was trying to think of what might be lo- likely posts, and I think environment is one. The mayor yeah. has sort of prided himself on the um, uh, the uh, emphasis that his administration has placed on solar uh, power and also the wind turbines. Sure, wind, uh, yeah. Uh, Just uh, went to uh, Europe. Uh, sure. Um, another place he, he could conceivably uh, end up, I think, is public safety. I mean, he's been a... Um, he's a uh, U.S. Uh, yeah, he uh, was he was an assistant U.S. attorney for a long time, yeah. you know. Uh, it, it could... It, that, that could make sense being like a mayor of a city saying, okay, we need a... You know, we have an... Um, you know, we need some uh, an on the ground perspective, both you know, prosecutorial experience and having an on the ground perspective of public safety. That that, yeah. that makes sense. To you know, me there's as well. a, a lot of talk in the city council that um, New Bedford uh, has a lot of crime problems, and it does have the kind of crime problems you have in an urban setting. But I was here 20 years ago when there were 13 murders a year, and now there's yeah. like two or three murders a year. Right. So I, you know, I think that there's been a big dent with the Latin King bust. There's been you know, I, I I think they have them on the heels. I think Quinn has been an aggressive district attorney. Yeah, um, yeah. The dangerousness hearings have worked well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I there might be people who oppose the mayor on a public safety position, but I think he could defend himself on on that. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, a lot of people do say that the 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 crime reporting numbers are misrepresented, though. Yeah. 
I mean, you know about statistics. You can take statistics <laughs> and make them mean this, and you can yeah. take statistics and mean make them mean that. Liars figure and figures yeah. lie, right? Um, not saying that that's what. That's just you know one of the sayings. I'm not saying that anybody's a liar, but um, we're speaking with Jack Splain, the New Bedford Light. I'll tell you what, we're up uh, on our first break. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can uh, get on the program, and we also take messages on the app chat. We're gonna take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. We're here with New Bedford Light columnist Jack Spillane. We're taking your calls, 508-996-0500. Messages on the app chat as well. So we're not sure what Mitchell's going to do. He'll announce it, I guess, when he announces it. Um, I'm wondering... We should have an over-under. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, an over-under. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. An over-under on how long it takes him to... To, to make that call. I mean, I guess it'd all depend. The over under, I guess, would be about two months. I'd, I'd probably bet the over on it. But, um, but, because you don't have to pull, I mean, you don't have to. I remember when he announced he was running for re election last time, and that was like June ish. I remember he had the video and all that where he was announcing his run for re election. And the field kind of cleared at that point, right? I know there was some. People talking about thinking about running. I remember Hugh Dunn being asked uh, if he wanted to run against the mayor. I remember some other uh, elected officials that were like, you know, hinting at throwing their their hat in the ring. But ultimately, no one really did. Brian Gomes ran as like a just kind of casually, <laughs> sort of like a ham, a ham Yeah, yeah. He was like, he was like, uh, yeah. Oh, I forgot to, you know, I forgot to, you know, rescind my nomination. So, you know, just did basically a dry run, and Which then when allows you to float your name in the, in the yeah, exactly. No, it was actually kind of perfect. He did a dry run and saw the numbers and like, okay, well, I can't win, so I'm just gonna keep running for at large. Um, but and then it was Tyson Moultrie, and I, you know, that that was that. But uh, if if Mitchell were to, let's say Mitchell leaves, right? Let's just say he doesn't go to the cabinet. Let's say he just leaves in the traditional sense that he's done in January of next year, right? I mean, who's th- who strikes you as the immediate contenders for uh, for the seat? So th- there are two models in New Bedford that I've seen of, of people who run for mayor successfully. One is the outsider model, and you could say... model. Yeah, which, which is Mitchell's model, yeah. which was also John Bullard's model, yeah. um, uh, Mayor Maki's model. Sure. And then it's the insider, which is Fred Kalis, mm-hmm. uh, to a certain extent, Rosemary Tanney. She was a governor's counselor. And, and she had been on the school committee, I think, right. is where she was yeah. even better known. Yeah. Um, so those are the two models. What I have not seen is a lot of city councilors who've made the transition. The only one that I can think of, well, I guess it's two. There's Fred Kalis, mm-hmm. who ran twice, and he was successful the second That's time. Right. And there's George Rogers. Those are the two city councilors that I've seen. Yeah. Rogers served one term. And was promptly voted out by Jack Markey, who then served 12 years, or almost 11 years, 12 years. So I... I, George Rogers was also the mayor during that... uh, The riots. The riots in 1970, right? Yeah, the the big... uh, The the sort of racial tensions that were happening in July of 1970, where basically the West End was like boarded off, so blockaded, you know, so people couldn't get through. I just mean, it's sort of like the U.S. Senate. It's not as easy to go from the Mm. council to the mayorship as you might think. Yeah. I think a lot of times people look for a business person. Yeah. And I would expect for somebody to come that we're not talking about right now. Yeah. uh, Somebody who's been a successful businessman in the city, Mm -hmm. you know, um, 
uh, Tony Sapienza, a type like that. I don't sure. I don't particularly know that Tony would be interested in it. I think he probably would. The guy not. from Joseph Abood, for guy, people who don't know. Yeah. yeah. So someone like that, I think, would be someone from the business community who's been active. Um, uh, who was the guy who campaigned in, term, in, in favor of the four-year mayoral term? Uh, the guy from the, uh, he has a business up in the business park, some sort of construction type business. Come on, Christian Farland? Christian Farland. I don't know if Christian Farland would be interested. Yeah, someone like that. That would surprise me, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, I know what you're saying. Someone who has been a successful business person who has yeah. name ID. Yeah, maybe a lawyer. Um, yeah. You know, that's, Scott, that's the Scott Lang model. You yeah. Know? Well, Scott Lang, Mayor Mitchell, Fred Kalis, all attorneys, actually, the last three mayors have been yeah. attorneys. Was Rosemary Terry was Fred Kalis was not an attorney. I thought he was a lawyer. No, no. He was a PhD. PhD, okay. He had a doctorate, okay. Um, so that, that that's that model. The other model would be from the council, and I think um, certainly, you know, Ian Avu, whatever, you know, people love him or hate him, he has been um, just a ubiquitous counselor. Uh, he, he works really hard. He um, is just out there pounding on constituent services all the time. Yep. And he's managed to finish first on the council above two pretty popular counselors, Linda Morad and Brian Gomes. Mm -hmm. um, they, they were sort of trading, finishing first before Ian came along. Ian got in. He immediately, the next term, went to second. I remember that. He went. He got second behind Brian Gomes, and then he got first, and now he's just been yeah. there, and he'll, I think, continue to be there. 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Hi, good evening, guys. How you doing? Good. You know, I'm listening to you talking, and I discovered the mayor's holding four races, and that's a very nice place to be. <laughs> what do you mean by that? It means right now he's probably got a job with the Healy administration as they're going through things. And I'm sure if they offer uh, Healy herself, maybe offer him a job and says, you know something, John? You had some friction in New Bedford. Let me know when you're ready to announce this job I'm offering. We'll keep it. We'll keep it on the quiet. Just lean right in at the New Bedford people, the city council. Lean right in now, because you got a job right here. You're just gonna parachute right in. So, go ahead, John. Give them hell for a while. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Yeah. You know, one of the and first you can places. Stick his poison pen into everything and rip it up. He can do anything he wants. He can talk stupid, and then he can fall one day after everybody's in an uprig and announce, I'm sorry, but I got to leave. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, I think he's worked pretty hard to, 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 to build a legacy here, so I don't think he'd, uh, you know, want to, you know, leave it, leave the place in, in, in disarray. No, probably not. But I know one thing, he'll never come back for a mass ship in New Bedford when he leaves. No, I, I, why that would you? That door's closed. He'll never come back through that door. Yeah. Well, why would he want to? Yeah, why would he want to? You, you... Well, why would anybody want to? I mean, New Bedford's comparing itself early tonight with Springfield, and that's the bottom of the heap. Well, 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 you know, in fact, that way I had Lenny from the retirement board. He was saying that New Bedford's in a better position than Springfield. But Spring... Springfield was at thirteen thousand. Yeah, they were talking about the cola base. It's a Where's little different. It's a little different. Right it's a little Where's different. New Bedford, New Bedford well, just raised. Yeah, they just they're raising it to fourteen. But they're just that was the cola base. He was talking about how Springfield has the worst retirement fund in the state. Yeah, but but so New Bedford is, so is, is, is near the bottom. Oh, sure it is. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. So you know, so he's uh, he's calling out Springfield, which you should never do. You yeah. Know, you don't take your, You don't take your weakest sister. <laughs> and then short of the public as your weakest sister. So uh, the guy ought to stay in his lane on that one. Okay. But, uh, but then, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to go around. You know, now, now that I've switched and we segued onto that for a little, I just want to say something. 
Sure. Fourteen thousand. I don't know. I just hope everybody's got reverse mortgages or something. <laughs> well, you know, as as one of the few that's local pundits a, who's a taxpayer in New Bedford, yeah, I will that's say a that very, this is very very small pie at the end of the rainbow. I'll tell you. Oh boy, did I make a career mistake? <laughs> but uh, yeah, because you got other. He said other cities is like uh, Mr. Alley's uh, eighteen thousand, seventeen, fifteen. Yeah, and, and he and in thirty five, the year twenty two or twenty thirty five. Yeah, that's when the pensions are supposed to be fully funded. Yeah, I don't have paper boy money, folks. (laughs) (laughs) I think. Yeah, yeah, let's put it this way. What is no will is no way. And I appreciate the man taking that job and coming on your show. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Because what he was doing on one side of his mouth was saying, this ain't my response. I didn't do this to you people. And then on the other side, he says, I'm just reporting the facts. he's, He's just another guy sent to the firing wall. Uh, and I hope I hope Healy's got a job for him too, because it sounds to me like he's overworked and underpaid, as well as the system he's trying to operate there. And if you're a, if you're a New Bedford, my my brother and sister have been living in this city for twenty something years, they're homeowners, and uh, New Bedford, and um, you know they're not even political, and they know they know what a red herring is. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of fishing going on in the Wayland City. Too many red herrings. Hey, thank you for the call, sir. I appreciate it. Bye. Um, so you were gonna, you were saying you're 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 a taxpayer in New Bedford. Yeah. So I, I think the problem that New Bedford has is that it is not fully recovered from the you know the times when it had a good commercial tax base in the mills. Yeah. And because it does not have that commercial tax base now, the property taxes in New Bedford are much higher than certainly in the surrounding communities. Yeah. And so to try, it would be nice to to be able to pay the municipal workers as as much as other places, but you really, is it fair to, to, to put that burden onto the taxpayers? I, yeah. I, I just don't think it is. And, and New Bedford is, I think, third from the bottom in funding its retirement in the state. So it, sure. it already is struggling. So something that on paper sounds reasonable, when you really scratch the surface, the, the, the issue is reasonable for who? Yeah. Re- reasonable for the workers, not reasonable for the taxpayers, but, which is, you know, I've been probably one of the most frequent critics of um, the municipal unions in New Bedford. And I, I sort of take the Franklin Roosevelt approach that, uh, you know, I'm a big supporter of unions in the private sector, but in the government sector, unions are something different because what you have is unions who turn out to vote and other people who are more apathetic on voting. And then you just have this this, this, this interest group that begins to drive um, uh, benefits that people in a, a working class town, a town of limited means like New Bedford don't have. So I can assure you that the 80% pension that city workers can get as they, and as you know, people who have worked here for 30, 35 years, that 80% pension, I'm, I'm 70 years old and I, you know, I'm collecting social security and I can assure you I'm not getting 80%. Sure. And so I've worked all my life and I don't, I don't be quite sure I have enough money. You know, I'm not yeah. wealthy, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But I, I just think that it's hard to give a benefit in a working class. This is not Newton. This is not Brookline. Sure. It is hard to give a benefit to the class of government workers that the private sector workers, by and large, don't get in the city. Well, well just because. So, I mean, I'm just. I just want to. Do you, Do you think that because people might work in for the a public uh, entity? That they don't have, they shouldn't have the ability to collectively bargain. I, I don't know whether I would go that far, 
but I, I, I would say that I think that people who work for municipalities, especially in a city like New Bedford that is of limited means, should be on the same social security system as everybody else. And I think one of the problems is that the politicians are on the same pension system as the workers they represent. Yeah. So even to the point of a city councilor who's only been there for 10 years, yeah. after 10 years, they're getting that pension. Sure. The state legislators are getting that pension. So you really can't get a neutral vote on that. And the problem is that that they're they're voting on a on a pension that is not if if, if we're going to have them vote on social security and the government workers and the private sector workers get the same plan then everybody's in the same boat and we can there's not any special interest that's, that's really driving this but I, I really think that in a city like New Bedford where you where you have this ability to put onto the taxpayers who are also of even more limited means than many of the government workers yeah. you know this burden. I, I think it's a problem. So we're speaking with Jack Spillane of the New Bedford Light, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. So, um, you know, we're, you're talking about because of the mill building. So, you know, New Bedford used to be a very strong mill town, uh, used to be more populated than it than it uh, back in its, yes. in its heyday was was more populated, about 20, 30,000 more people in the early 1900s or early early 19th century, I should say. But as to, uh, you know, globalization, people outsourcing those that that strong mill industry here in New Bedford has been winnowed down and uh, those mill buildings, a lot of them are being repurposed as residential, uh, you know, uh, for for people who are renting. So you're not getting the you're not getting the the uh, you're not getting the tax benefit. You're not getting the tax revenue you used to from them. The only way I think to ameliorate that problem is to um, is to is to add more commercial development, and they're trying, right? They're yeah. trying. So the mayor, the mayor, to his credit, uh, has targeted two areas: the waterfront in the new industrial park that he's trying to build right. at the golf course. You know, I, I would support him on both those things. I think that, you know, the the the, the waterfront is coming along, but it's a long rebuild. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I think the fishing industry is in great shape. You know, despite all the problems that it has. Sure. Uh, that, that might turn around depending on the environment in 10, 15 years. But right now, it's in good shape. Uh, the, the wind turbines, I'm a little bit, I, I want to see if yeah. they're going to be successful. I think it has the potential to um, bring in some revenue and to bring in some jobs. But I'm not convinced that in the end, more of them aren't going to go to Quonset in Rhode Island where there's more land and, and, and bigger space. Well, and I'm also a little bit worried about the hurricane um, barrier and, and getting those they, they yeah. say they've done all the tests and, and that they'll fit through, but I'm still worried about it. Sure. And then the other thing is the the, the golf course, which which of course is is a terrible market right now to to be. You know, interest rates are high. They're having a problem selling um, the land. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a recession. I still think in the long run, more industrial, particularly if they can attract um, high end. You know, uh, high tech, which is harder in New Bedford. And I think Tom Davis has some great success up in the business park with some high tech machinery type jobs. Uh, I'd like to see more of that. Um, I'm not convinced yet that you, you're going to be able to do that because I don't think we have, you know, I mean, I mean UMass Dartmouth is a great university, but I, I'm just not convinced that people will do that in New Bedford yet. Maybe they will, but you have to build that tax base somehow. And, uh, you know, New Bedford is, um, limited in land, I think eventually it may have to turn to something like New York City does, yeah. where it begins to tax the people that work in the city. Right. Um, it's, 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 it's actually very much shaped like Manhattan, yeah. New Bedford is. It, it, it seems like a, a ten, uh, that seems like an that seems like an untenable 
position. It depends on, you know, you need, you need, you need like demand, right. To do that. Like Manhattan, New York city, that's the economic fulcrum of the entire world, basically. So they have demand. They're able to do that. New Bedford would need to have the demand. I guess the way you'd build that is is industries like being an epicenter of a of a of a you know national or even global industry like offshore wind. Yeah. Well, the biggest employer in New Bedford is the hospital. Yeah. Actually. Right. Now, do you want to force those hospitals out under Fonz Corner Road? No. Yeah. So you know, the, the hospital is a, is a, is a very big employer. Um, government, um, the courts. Yeah, uh, you know the the downtown buildings, um, uh, but you know you're right. You certainly can't compare New Bedford to New York, and but right now, Massachusetts state government subsidizes the cities. You could not run a school system in New Bedford were it not for the eighty ninety percent that New Bed that the state of Massachusetts pays. Yeah. Well, who who is that that's paying? It's the right. suburbs yeah. that, that are paying, not just New Bedford, but Fall River, Brockton, Lawrence, Lowell, all those post-industrial cities. That they they've all lost their tax bases and they're all being subsidized by the um, suburbs. That's what education reform was, and the right. suburbs are in revolt about it now because they see the money, you know, the formulas and are, are skewed toward the cities. But what are you going to do? Have the cities going to receivership? Yeah, right. I, I mean, are you going to have the the cities become like third world countries or, or, or places where there's huge amounts of homelessness or, or unemployment? It's it's a hard problem. 508-996-0500. I see we've got calls on the line. Just stay put. Uh, we're going to take this commercial break, and then we'll go straight to the phones. 1420 WBSM is now also on 99.5 FM. You wash your hands. You never know who will call in the South Coast tonight. But they want to hear from you most of all. Call 508-996-0500. Or use the WBSM app to send an app chat text message or leave voicemail. Welcome back. Let's go back to the phones. 508-996-0500. They can get in the program. Good evening. You're live. Good evening, gentlemen. How's it going? Oh, it's going. Um, you know, uh, I'd like to see what Jack has got to say on this, especially uh, since he's a homeowner now in uh, New Bedford. Uh, you know, uh, we've lost the factories. Good years, the Revere Copper Brasses, we don't have them anymore. What's the story with uh, a pilot program? Payment in lieu of taxes. We've got a lot of nonprofits in the area. I believe uh, maybe the hospital, uh, you know, is uh, qualifies for that. I know they provide a lot of jobs, okay, but they could afford to pay the head of their uh, hospital two point seven million dollars to run the place. So, uh, you know, what's wrong with that? And even look, I, I got nothing against God, but uh, churches, synagogues, mosques, uh, even these, uh, you know, storefront churches, they should pay something. Maybe yeah. not as well, much as the regular, you know, taxpayer. It's a First but, Amendment issue. Well, it's a First Amendment issue. Let's run it. They, and Boston, uh, as far as I'm concerned, First Amendment aside, Boston has a, a payment in lieu of taxes, as far as I know. Correct me if I'm wrong. So sure. uh, places like Cambridge, where they have MIT and Harvard, you know, vast nonprofit private colleges with huge land holdings. Yeah. I think that kind of payment in lieu of taxes works there. The caller is right. The hospital would be the big one. Um, and and that's a nonprofit. And I, I, we haven't found out yet how much they paid the CEO to go away. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but um, he was making quite a bit of money, yeah. as the caller says, when he left. But once you get beyond the hospital, I think it's a harder case to make. The Catholic Church, which was the biggest church in New Bedford, has closed half of its churches in the last um, but, 20 but, years. But, yeah. but, Jack, wait a minute. You know, if there's a fire at the church, the fire people go there. If there's something that needs the police to go there 
or anywhere the police go. That, they, should, yeah, no, I, they shouldn't have to pay as much as a regular taxpayer. I'm willing to concede that. But you're going to look for new revenues, and they should have to pay something. I don't know, half, a, a tenth, a something. Yeah, you know, I don't, because I don't, I don't they disagree. need services, they get services. I don't disagree with that. I, and I think that, that, that a good story would be, what are they paying, if anything, now? I, I think... Um, you know, the storefront churches, most of them are of evangelical uh, immigrant churches. You can't get blood out of a rock, as they say. I, I don't know how much money there is to get there. Um, well, again, I, I would say still, I don't expect them to pay full tax, but pay something. You know, uh, half, tenth, pay something. We don't have Revere. We don't have Goodyear. We don't have Continental Screw. We don't have all those traditional businesses that paid for a lot of the, you know, the, 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 the bills here. Yeah. And we could afford to have this largesse and everything. Hey, it's nice to be nice, but let's face it. When you don't have the money you need to run the city, you've got to look for other sources that are here. And I don't know how many nonprofits are here with dealing with drug addiction and stuff like that. Uh, maybe they should pay something to them. I'm sure the people that are working there are getting a pretty good salary. Yeah. The two, the two entities with, um, the two nonprofits I think uh, that, that have the most money would be the Whaling Museum and the hospital. Yeah. And um, once you get beyond that, I think it'll be hot. But I think my personal opinion, Carlo, is that developing the, con the economy, the private sector economy, is what the city has to do. And the waterfront and the industrial park are the best um, options for that, I think. Oh, what do you mean uh, options for that, too? Well, oh, because I think more, more, more private you're, sector you're, development. Yeah, if you get private sector development, we know those places well, have to pay taxes and can't pay taxes. Again. Here's the waterfront, yes. Hey, hey can, you, can, you, can you do me a favor, call back in the 9 o'clock hour, because i got to take this break. Okie dokie. All right, thank you. Good light. Thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure, Mark. Marcus. I, I just got to say, you got a great political program here, and I love talking politics with you. I likewise, and thank you, thank you so much. Uh, I hope uh, you continue to fill in uh, for Tim, and maybe for us at uh, at some point as well. We'll, we'll raise the progressive flag on. on this side. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slow but uh, I think uh, effective process that we're doing here at WBSM. Thanks so much, Jack. All right. Uh, we got like another. 10 or so seconds. 10 or seconds to fill. Yeah, well, like more like 20 <laughs> seconds, actually, before the satellite kicks in. So uh, where can people go to read your columns, Jack? Bedfordlight.org. Uh, and um, always free. And uh, if you like us, just send us a check in the mail sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, great investigative reporting, great uh, opinion columns by Jack Spillane. And uh, I'll be with you guys in the 9 o'clock hour, so give us a call.